With Milk Street Baby, you can build your Pinterest dream nursery. Exquisitely built, their modern baby furniture covers every trending look for 2021. From mid-century modern to bohemian minimalist, their furniture works for any design style. They combine unique aesthetics with unparalleled engineering and craftsmanship to bring families' iconic gender-neutral crib collections at a value. Furniture with a look and feel unlike anything ever produced for a baby. Their mission is to create beautiful nursery furniture that doesn't sacrifice safety for design. For 10% off Milk Street's crib and nursery sets, use code HEARTANDHUSTLE, all lowercase, one word, at MilkStreetBaby.com. Again, that's code HEARTANDHUSTLE to build your dream nursery today. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, Heart Fam. If you are new here, welcome, welcome. You are probably a dreamer, a lover of all things marketing and entrepreneurship, and you have big goals for your life that you're reaching towards. And we're here dropping episodes twice a week for you, cheering you on and giving you the tools to crush your business and life goals. Now, today's episode is a little treat for you. We're chatting with fellow podcaster Maria Fela. Maria is a plant killer turned plant lady on a mission to help everyone successfully care for plants and make the world a kinder and greener place. After learning to care for plants successfully and experiencing the exponential joy caring for plants brought to her life, she founded the Bloom and Grow Radio podcast to learn alongside her listeners as she interviews experts in all aspects of plant care. For any of our listeners who might be like, Okay, cool. Love plants, love her, but why are we talking about plants on a business podcast? We wanted to bring Maria onto the show today because her story is fascinating and so relatable to anyone who has a hobby that they love, that they want to turn into a side hustle or monetize something that they're passionate about. In today's episode, we chat with Maria all about her journey from plant killer to plant lady, how she started her podcast, the nitty gritty behind what you really need to start a podcast, how to monetize and grow your show organically, how to get advertisers for your show, and so much more. And if you're a fellow plant lover, but also a notorious plant killer like us, (coughs) oops, then stay tuned for the end because we do a plant 101 corner with Maria and she gives us some killer advice on how to keep your plants alive. So whether you're a plant lover and want to learn more about how to care for plants, a budding entrepreneur, (laughs) get it? Okay. Who wants to know how to creatively turn a passion of yours into a stream of revenue, or you're a person who wants to start a podcast one day and doesn't know where to start, Maria is your lady. Let's get to the show. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Maria, welcome to the Hard Hustle podcast. Thank you, ladies. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you today. Uh, well, we are beyond thrilled to have you and just introduce yourself to our audience. Like, let us or let them, everyone who's listening, just know who you are. Tell us about yourself and how you got into the wild world of plants, because that's a little bit different of a niche for uh, our audience today. 
I love it. I love it. Um, yes. Well, hello, Heart and Hustle community. I'm Maria. Um, I am a pl- epic plant killer turned crazy plant lady. Um, <laughs> and it's my mission to help everyone successfully care for plants and cultivate more joy in their lives. And I do that through the Bloom and Grow Radio podcast. So on the Bloom and Grow Radio podcast, I'm a novice who learns alongside my listeners as I interview experts on like every aspect of plant care you could ever imagine. Um, And, you know, we have episodes that are like watering 101 basics. And then we have episodes that are like the soil of science and like what particles make, like what soil is actually made up of. And we have a lot of fun over there. I also have a a series of of episodes called um, my plant side chats, which are like garden life parallels and business garden parallels, which is super fun. Um, Mm. But I I got into it um, because, you know, as I said, I was a really epic plant killer for my whole life. So I'm actually a professional performer, um, a musical theater performer. I've spent, you know, the first decade of my professional life touring the country, performing on Broadway, even touring internationally as a, as a singer, um, a musical theater singer. Yeah. And lived a very nomadic lifestyle. So plants were never, yeah, plants were never like on my radar because I was never in like one home for long enough to actually keep one alive. And I was a pretty epic plant killer. After I killed like my 20th plant, I'd say <laughs> I kind of gave up. I saw my, you know, the wake of dead plants in my in my past and said, you know what, I'm just going to like stick with cut flowers and we're just going to like call it quits. <laughs> um, I've seriously done like every weird thing you could ever imagine to plants. These, my poor, my poor plants of my past. But anyway, things changed when I moved in with my boyfriend and I made my Broadway debut. So I got to be in Cats on Broadway for a little bit. And wow. I, yeah, it was so, it was very fun. A lifelong dream realized. And um, I also was moving in with my boyfriend at that time. He's now my fiance. And I was struck. And I think a lot of people go through this when you first move in with your partner. You are just, you just want to nest so bad. You want to make your house a home. We were living in most of his stuff. And so we had this tiny little balcony. And when I say tiny, I mean nine square feet. Um, (laughs) <laughs> like super duper tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and it had this beautiful Southern light. So I thought, you know what? I know I'm a plant killer, but I'm a new person now. <laughs> I'm living <laughs> with my boyfriend. I'm a grown up. Like I'm going to try plants one more time. And so my mom, who's actually an amazing gardener, I come from a line of Italian gardeners. Um, the, the gene just skipped me. <laughs> and <laughs> she set us up with a little uh, herb garden. And... Uh, I started with a few a few house plants, but the difference was I really wanted to actually educate myself on how these plants thrived and how what I could do as their owner to set them up for success. Mm-hmm. And something really surprising happened. Not only did our home look beautiful and we got to cut chives and scramble them into our eggs every morning and make our own delicious walnut pesto with the basil that we grew. But back then, and I didn't even realize this until I went through this experience, um, 
I was like a real classic millennial where I like lived and died by my phone. I mean, my alarm was on my phone. I'd wake up in the morning. I'd immediately start scrolling Instagram. I'd sit and have coffee with, you know, my phone and all my social apps. And when I started having this garden, all of a sudden I noticed I would leave my phone and I would take my coffee and I would go sit like crouched in this tiny Mm. little balcony with my plants. And I would have this moment of disconnect from screens with my plants and I would just like watch them grow and have these beautiful moments of stillness uh, where I was able to reconnect with myself in a way that I didn't even realize I was disconnected until I had Mm. this opportunity to reconnect. And like, it truly felt like my heart exploded in this moment, like in this phase of my life, I was I felt like all of a sudden I was noticing the trees on my block that I had never noticed before. And um, I was connecting to life cycles and the concept of life in a different way. And man, I was just so lit up by it. I couldn't stop talking about my plants to all of my friends. And none of my friends wanted to listen to me talk about (laughs) my tomato plants. Um, And I was a huge podcast listener. But at the time when I started Bloom and Grow Radio, there were no podcasts about houseplant care specifically. So I decided to make one myself. And I thought it would be like a 10-episode passion project because I thought I would book another Broadway show like immediately after I finished Cats. And it took another year to book another show. So I ended up having a little bit more time. And... um, a crazy thing was after I launched Bloom and Grow Radio, I thought maybe like only me and my mom were going to listen to it. But I was like, (laughs) you know what? This is my love letter to plants. This is my kind of gesture of goodwill to other millennials around me. You know, if five people listen to it, like I'll, I'll feel good about that. Um, And secretly, it was just a way for me to interview experts and develop my plant care knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, But through the internet, and I know you ladies are like the queens of this, the internet is a really powerful place. Social media is super powerful. And I was able to connect with strangers around the world who were all as obsessed with plants as I was. Mm. And the podcast, I think, really kind of struck a chord with those people. And um, the downloads kind of kept doubling and the energy kept flowing towards this podcast and the brand that was growing. And so here we are four years later, Uh, And I'm, you know, in the process of evaluating turning this thing full time. So it's been quite, quite a journey over the last couple of years. That's amazing. That's so cool. I love too that you came from just such a different background. You're like, oh, I was in musical theater. Like I was on Broadway and yet chose to like, you know, turn a little hobby into, you know, plants and then into a, a business. And you also came from people like family who have green thumbs, green bodies. And yet you're like, well, where did that skip me? Like, where mm-hmm. <laughs> where am I in this? I love just that entire story and how many, you know, little plot twists as you would kind of talk. I was like, oh, whoa, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, which is so cool. I just think it's so cool and fascinating that you took a hobby, I guess, that that you hated at first, keeping plants alive, like you hated it, turned it into something that you loved and slowly turned that into, you know, a community. And now basically almost like a a business for others to learn. And in that process, you found a way to make money doing something that you loved that you never would have anticipated loving or making money from. So I would love to hear, like, was that ever intentional? Like from the beginning, did you have goals to make money from the plants? Clearly not from the podcast, but 
I guess just what was your mindset behind kind of diving into this? Oh, man. (laughs) Such a good question (laughs) and such a long answer. (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, I think, well, first, you know, you said something. I, something I'm really experiencing now, man, the universe really, the plan that you have, I'm not particularly religious at all, but I, so what I'm realizing now that I'm that I'm understanding much more now than I did maybe even three years ago with Bloom and Grow is like, if you get out of your own way, your path really can unfold and every chapter of your life serves your next chapter. And mm. in that moment, you might not see it and you might not get it, but like if you trust, it's going to make sense to you in a few years. And I'm seeing this a lot, you know, I have all these skills as a performer. And when I first started the podcast, I had a lot of fear around people saying, well, Maria, like plans have nothing to do with performing. Why are you wasting energy on your on a podcast that's not going to move your career forward, your performing career forward? Like, why do you care so much about house plans? Like you're only supposed to care about this one passion that you have. Yeah. But there was this intuitive whisper that just kept telling me like, keep going, keep going. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. And I just got super fixated on it. And I just kind of followed, followed the energy there. And now as I'm doing like national TV spots about plants and I have a international audience of thousands of people around the world where I use my voice on my podcast, Mm -hmm. I can kind of see all of my training as a performer serves me so well in this other passion of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's really interesting. Um, When I started the podcast, I don't think I could have ever imagined that I would be here now. Um, Mm. I really did think that it was just going to be like a 10-episode love letter to plants. And I also really thought I was going to book another Broadway show really quickly. So I don't think I could have ever kind of seen where it went. I think part of me was probably like, man, this would be great if I could like cover my plant spending habit, you know, like maybe <laughs> the podcast, maybe like maybe if the podcast got big enough, I'd get some free plants. And like, that could be That's really amazing. fun if I could just get all my grow lights for free and all my plants for free. Like that'd be great. Um, but I don't think I ever saw myself like transitioning out of performing into being a full-time plant lady um, because I don't think four years ago like that was even a thing. I yeah. think uh, the last three years, plant the plant space has really been proven, especially in 2020 with everyone bringing plants home. It's become much, much more popular. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely been, the the journey to entrepreneurship with this podcast has actually been, it's had extreme highs and extreme lows. It's been somewhat painful transitioning uh, a passion project into a monetized thing. But as the show was growing, you know, I was paying for it fully out of my pocket um, for like six to eight months. And I think I got to a point where I was like, you know, if I'm going to keep doing this, I at least need to figure out how to break even uh, because Mm -hmm. I can't like go into debt (laughs) to have this podcast. (laughs) Right. So I set like very small goals for myself. Like, okay, it costs $20 to host my website. So where can I find $20 for this podcast? Okay, I'll start with an Amazon storefront, you know? And once we hit $20, it was like, okay, well, my podcast host costs $20. So how can we make $40 a month? And it was like very small goals to begin with. Um, But sometimes I feel like for entrepreneurs, like starting with super small goals that are attainable um, is such an easier path than being like, I have to make $10,000 a month from right. like m- 
from month one, you know, which is a fa- fantastic goal. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a very interesting journey turning a passion project into a side hustle, into a full-time job. Um, and my degree's in opera. So I... <laughs> wow. Yeah, like my degree is is in classical music, classical voice. I never took a business class. I never, I didn't understand what a Google invite was, like what a Google calendar invite was until like two years ago. And mind you, that's like two years into me having a podcast. Like I didn't know <laughs> what a content calendar was. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know like best email practices. Like I didn't know any of it. I was coming from, you know, only having experience of rehearsing and performing shows and then all the other random side hustles like selling juice cleanses and working at pizzerias that I did in New York City to like support my my performing career. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been a lot of backfilling and a lot of like learning as I go. But at the same time, that's part of what makes the show so special. And my listeners mm-hmm. have definitely been along for that journey with me, which is also very cool. Okay. But I want to just like I think that's so relatable. And I think a lot of people can relate to having a hobby, but then like even your friends being like, why are you starting a plant podcast? You're a performer, Maria. What are you doing? The fact that you trusted your intuition and just like took that leap of faith, not necessarily expecting it to immediately give you millions. Like you you didn't start it with that. You started it from your heart, which I think so many people start businesses or even just like start hobbies that slowly can be monetized because of that passion and because of their heart behind it. And I think that's that's what's so beautiful about your story and what is so relatable about it is that, that a lot of people can relate and just are doing that with whatever their passion is. And I think you just have a lot of skills that you can share with people about how to do it in a smart way and how to... I, even you just saying, oh, well, I had to like get a web host, so now I need $20. Oh, let's start an Amazon. Like that's just smart. It's good business thinking, even though you didn't have a business degree. Exactly. And YouTube was my, YouTube was a big time friend of mine. I mean, I taught myself how to edit my podcast on YouTube. I, I, you know, learned how to, you can, there's so much free information out there. And then also a lesson I learned way too late is there's amazing paid courses. Like there are, there are fantastic courses that you can take to kind of expedite that learning. Uh, I think, I think my first couple of years with Bloom and Grow, I had a lot of pride that like I didn't put much money into it and I was entirely self-taught and self-taught off of YouTube and you know like I read blogs and I figured it out, which is amazing and I'm super proud of super proud of myself for that and and I didn't have any money. So that's what I had to do back then, but I regret not investing yeah. earlier in just paying the money to learn faster, um, hiring the people who know who are experts to teach me how to do it um, because it just would have saved a lot of time and a lot of wasted energy um, on the business that that looking back now, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that would have made sense to hire that person, you know, two years ago to help me do this. Right. Um, but, you know, hindsight 2020, we're all <laughs> blooming and growing, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that's such a good lesson for just about any entrepreneur because it's so easy, I think, in today's day and age of like, you know, entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, small business owners, you know, the whole world of owning an online business or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel that for years, it was it was very much like you you can be self-taught. Check out YouTube, like all these things. And that's amazing. That's because it was so brand new and not many people realized it. You know, they were used to going into a college classroom or something like that to learn about it. And so mm-hmm. teaching about 
you know, free blogs, free YouTube was so necessary. But I almost feel like now we're in the space where the free content online is well known for anyone trying to get into a space. And that's a great place to start. Like you were saying, it's amazing. But that paid, you know, whether it's a mentor or a business coach or, you know, just hiring an expert in a certain field instead of DIYing it or whatever, is I almost feel a little bit undervalued because we've for so long harped on the free education. And I'm not trying to downplay that free education because it is so helpful. But I just love that you brought that up of, you know, I, because I'm in the same boat, I wish I'd started investing in my own paid education sooner in my field in my career as well. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners are starting to feel that the more they get into business, they're like, oh, that, you know, that free education was great for a while, but I wish I'd, you know, really invested in the paid stuff sooner because man, it can catapult you in a way that that free education just, you know, takes a lot more time because you're, you're doing it all yourself. So I just love that you threw that out there. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, lessons lessons learned in entrepreneurship. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Okay, well, I would love to hear, now that we've kind of talked about your journey, just kind of getting into business and all of that, let's talk about starting your podcast and, you know, starting from the ground up and being really scrappy and figuring it out as you go. I think this perception around podcasting is that you have to have all this money and all this fancy equipment and all this knowledge and and guruship and you know all this stuff to get started but we all know that that is just not how it goes so <laughs> can you just break that lie for our audience like what do you really need to start a podcast yeah i mean I also want to preface it. I have so many ideas to share with you. I do want to preface this by saying I started my podcast four years ago in a very different space than podcasting is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think what served me back then still serves people now. And I have so many people reach out to me, you know, after hearing about Bloom and Grow's success and and asking what my tips are and they want to start a podcast. And I can always tell who's serious and who isn't, not by the fancy microphone that they have or how, you know, how many producers and editors that they've hired, but by their mission statement. So what is going to make, there are, I actually think this is more important now than, than before because there are so many more podcasts on the market. You have to have such a clear vision of who you want to serve and how you want to serve them. Um, I think back then I was really nervous when I started my podcast that I wasn't the expert and that I was going to be interviewing experts and I had all sorts of imposter syndrome. But back then, like what actually served me was the fact that I was learning alongside the listener. And I think that really resonated with people. And I was never afraid to ask the stupid questions and, you know, would ask the fanciest gardener like what mulch was, right? Um, (laughs) It's really important. It's really important to know, and John Lee Dumas has a great free podcast, uh, free podcast about podcasts and how to make one. And he has a great 20-minute episode on finding your avatar, your ideal avatar, your ideal listener. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sat down before I launched my show and I wrote a five-page document of my two target listeners for Bloom and Grow Radio. I knew how much money they made. I knew what street they lived on in New York City. I knew how many plants they had. I knew what their struggles were. I knew what their wins were. I knew what Instagram accounts they followed. Like I really 
broke down exactly who I was making the show for. Show for, and every time you know I had a question about where I should take Bloom and Grow Radio, I always went back to thinking, "What would my avatars do? What would these two women want? What would they need? How can I help them?" Um, and it just makes it puts things into perspective. Um, and I think a lot a lot of times podcasters get really absorbed with what they want to do and their their you know they want to talk about themselves and they want to um you know make the show about them which I totally get and there are a lot of celebrities that are very successful doing that um personally I'm obsessed with Heather McMahon's podcast and she just like talks about her life and I'm I'm here for it but I think <laughs> when you're starting podcasts it's really important to understand who you're serving and then designing your content around that so that's what you really need um and then I would say, you know, uh, how did I start? I actually borrowed a friend's microphone. One of my performing friends had a Audio Technica. Um, he had a fancy microphone, a three hundred dollar microphone that he lent me for my first twenty episodes on the podcast, which was super kind of him. But then Tim Ferriss had a great YouTube video on his podcasting kit. And he actually podcasts with an $80 microphone. It's an Audio-Technica 2100. Um, so my whole podcasting kit is still made up of like a rather inexpensive, I think sometimes on Amazon, it's as cheap as $60 microphone. Oh. Um, and then I started with GarageBand, which is the free editing app that comes with my Mac computer. Yes. So. I really started like scrappy and you can like I found a YouTube video that taught me how to edit on GarageBand which I watched 40 like I think I watched it at least 10 times yeah. in you know those first 10 episodes um I ended up buying that $60 microphone and then that was kind of my podcasting kit with my computer for a while um you need a podcast host so you know that costs Libsyn costs $20 a month there are so many more now on the market um you know, you should get a bare bones website up just so you can direct people to your podcast. Uh, start your email list early. Holy moly, that was an amazing piece of advice I got um, from someone. I started my email list extremely passively when I was beginning and I didn't even know what an email list was, but a friend <laughs> was like, put a newsletter pop up on your website and just get a free, you know, put a freebie up there and just start collecting it. So when you have, you know, when you're ready, you'll, you'll have a list to market to. That was huge for me. Um, but that was really the beginning of Bloom and Grow. I mean, I, I think my first 40 interviews I did, like I didn't even send Google calendar invites. Like, I think I just sent emails. Like I, I, I don't understand how I got through my first two years of <laughs> I was so, how organized I am now. I'm like, oh my God, what was I doing two years yeah. like in those first two years? Um, but yeah, so you can start, you know, I think you can, I don't think it's necessarily about the fancy equipment. I think you have to make great content and you have to have great conversations in order to attract an audience. And, you know, if you listen back to my first 20 episodes, like the quality was not great. But there was like amazing information being delivered in a new way that people had never heard of before mm -hmm. um, because it was the first podcast, it was the first plant care podcast out there. So I think that's why it has success. So long story short, you know, you can use a cheaper microphone, but you need to have really high quality content. Mm, so, so good. good. Well, and I love that you even touched on client avatars because that's something that we talk about on the show all the time, just having a very niche audience and, and, 
idea of where you're, what you're going towards and like who you're serving. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you for clarifying that even in a completely different space, because it's so true. (laughs) Um, And it really gives you a framework of like what content to create, because you know who you're creating it for, whose ears you want to listen to, or whose eyes you want to ingest your information or whatever. Um, So thank you for sharing that. Um, There's um, Oh, sorry. Continue. I, you know, I don't know who, I don't know who said it first. I've heard Jenna Kutcher talk about it. I've heard Pat Flynn talk about it, but that great phrase that there's riches in the niches, like Mm -hmm. niching down, niche down, niche down, niche down. And that's where you actually find freedom, you know, when you just so clearly know who you're serving. It's so helpful. For sure. Well, for anybody that's listening to this and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. I might want to start a podcast from whatever topic or whatever hobby how do I get listeners? So my question is, how did you get listeners at the very beginning? Was it just plainly organic or did you use paid ads or was it something else entirely? Yeah, great question. I still to this day have not spent a dime on paid ads because I don't know how to do them. And I'm if you <laughs> if you want to talk about investing, I actually some of the best money I'm investing in in myself and my company this year is hiring someone to hiring someone to teach me how to do Facebook marketing and and Instagram marketing because I just, it's so scary to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But also that fear kind of served me because I wasn't like uh, throwing away money on ads that I set up incorrectly, you know? So anyway, when I started, I knew that Instagram... Although I've, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a huge fan of spending a lot of time on social media in general. I much prefer that you hang out with your plants or be in nature. I think that I understood that Instagram was going to be the most helpful, free marketing tool that I could ever use and harness. Um, and at that point, my Instagram was, my personal Instagram was such a joke. Like it was such a joke, not curated. Like I'm a terrible (laughs) photographer. Like it's, it's, I'm the opposite of you girls. Um, so I like bought a book on Instagram, like how to do Instagram. And it's like such a joke now that I think about it. Um, but I like read a book about Instagram and I like started figuring out how to make posts. Um, and Instagram is probably the 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 way I grew my show the most because I connected with the plant community on Instagram and then kind of shuffled them over to my podcast. Nice. Um, giveaways back then were also like super popular. I know that it, they're not as much, they're not like as big now because everybody's mm-hmm. doing them, but giveaways were a big way that I was able to grow. And then the single biggest thing, I mean, for growing your podcast, I think is guesting on other people's shows and hoping that you're sorry, no, having guests on your show that are excited about your show and promote it. So I was very fortunate that, you know, in my early days, I was able to secure some really kick-ass guests because it was kind of one of the newer, it was like one of the only podcasts and Mm -hmm. they were super generous with supporting my show and helping me grow and promote it. Um, But also now I would say that I have learned some tips now that I've been around for a while. Um, When you have guests on your podcast, make sure that promotional assets are so stupidly easy for them to promote. So not only just like send them an email with promotional assets, but like slide into their DMs and actually DM them all of the photos so they can just copy and paste it. Because I find in general, guests like people are generally very happy to promote the show, but sometimes they're, you know, their days are so full, they're not going to like go on their email, download some photos, airport it to their phone and then post it on their Instagram. But if you make it super like easy for them to do, um, that's been, that's been pretty successful for me. 
Um, That's amazing. Yeah, but um, let's see, what else? I mean, we're trying to like boost our... So yeah, back then, those were definitely the ways that we grew. Um, You know, collaborating with some really amazing people. I'm lucky that my show is always different guests. So we always have kind of a new audience to reach naturally. Um, and now we're trying to, you know, boost our SEO and and have really nice show notes um, that are hosted on our blog that help boost our website traffic and, you know, all those fun things. Um, but yeah, it was it was very simple back then for sure. What about but, you girls? What a, For your podcast, what do you feel like your your top tips are in that arena? I literally, as you were talking and you were like, DM your guests the graphics, I literally muted myself so I could type that out to tell our podcast manager to do that for us. (laughs) Because we always email our guests, but literally you just blew my mind because I'm like, if I put myself in my own guest shoes, like whenever I'm on a show, if I'm going to share it on my Instagram, I need to do it the most easiest way possible. And if it's emailed, it's forcing me to jump through some hoops and mm-hmm. I was like, that's genius to have them DM the I just you just blew my mind there. Wow. Okay, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get real for a minute. How much writing do you have to do every day to market your business? Answer a crap ton. I know, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I hate seeing that blinking cursor. And it can just take a lot of time to really, really write good copy. And even then you don't know if it will connect with your audience, you know? Yeah, so dude, can we tell you about our favorite find, a solution for creating killer copy? It's called AnyWord. It's a simple platform where you can enter a link or a description of what you want to talk about, and in a click, AnyWord will generate a bunch of marketing copy variations for you to choose from. It is so freaking easy. (laughs) AnyWord creates copy for your Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and so much more. It can even help you write copy for your website, blog posts, sales pages, and email subject lines. It's just actually insane. Yes. And what we really love about AnyWord is that it also gives you all of the copy and it creates a score. That score shows you what's most likely to convert the best, cutting down on A, B, split testing costs, and saving you time and resources in your marketing budget. So you know it will do well whenever you post it. We freaking love AnyWord and it can save you just so much time and give you great copy ideas, which leaves you time to focus on what really matters, growth. Yes, AnyWord is free to try, and our friends there have given our heart fam 30% off of your first three months. Just go to anyword.com forward slash heart to get started. That's anyword.com forward slash heart. I was just going to say, what are have you guys found any good tactics for growing your show recently? I feel like it's been kind of everything that you just said of just having quality content and, and you know, sharing with guests or having guests on that are going to bring even more quality to your show. I think, you know, for us, Instagram is a really powerful platform, both between Lindsay, myself, and The Heart, like our education company. So we try to, you know, share on there, build up a community on Facebook. Um, I feel like we're still learning a lot as we're going too, which I don't in any way feel like, oh, we've arrived in the podcast space. So, I will say though that I think the difference is that we had a somewhat already established audience before we started our yeah. podcast, whereas we mm-hmm. didn't start like our podcast wasn't the first thing that we started growing, mm-hmm. which is more of your story. Um, yeah, like we had grown followings and did courses before the yes. podcast, so I think that pulled in the audience organically, and then yeah. we have grown from there. Mostly, I think from having 
bigger name guests on our show that then share the show. I think that's obviously how a lot of podcasts get uh, growth. Um, we try to push reviews a lot. Yeah. That's always that's always Which fun. But on the rankings, yeah. obviously you know that, Maria. But for any listener who doesn't know that, <laughs> reviews really help like boost you up in in your category, so that people who are scrolling through like entrepreneurship or you know plant care or whatever that topic mm-hmm. or, or category is, your podcast is able to pop up higher once you have I like think better ratings. The last thing I'll say is. Recently, we noticed, which you're in like the home and garden category on iTunes, right? Or podcast, whatever, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. Which is a new launch, yeah. Oh, it is? What was it before? Just leisure. So I was up against all of the, um, I was up against all of the car and um, gaming podcasts (gasps) because it was leisure. So it was like and like car talk and you know gate like all like dungeons and dragons episodes oh so now now we get our own sector which is nice well that's, that's amazing. amazing and i think it attributes to what we were saying earlier with niche because i think having yourself in the right category and also named very strategically is important especially if you're not like a celebrity where it's like the whatever whatever show like and it's my name like if you're named very like blooming grow that's genius because it's clearly a plant podcast like you have your niche already and then you're in the right category for us heart and hustle is really a great depiction of the things that we talk about we talk about the hustle of business and strategy behind that but we also Mm -hmm. talk about heart and mindset and really lifestyle growth like that as well Mm -hmm. but recently we were in the entrepreneurship so under business there's a bunch of subcategories and we were in entrepreneurship and then re- recently, we just switched from entrepreneurship to marketing, which I, I don't know. You could argue what what category this podcast falls under. We talk about marketing a lot, but like we also talk about entrepreneurship as a whole in general. So I don't know. But we changed to marketing. And I think... I don't know what... I don't even think we were on the charts in entrepreneurship. Yeah, we were pretty low down in entrepreneurship. <laughs> right. And then we switched to marketing and we're number 30. Or now... I think we're now wow. number 29 or 28 now. Yeah. And so I was like, okay... So I, I think Very just like cool. experimenting too with yeah. where can you position yourself to hit the right audience at the right time. Yeah, a hundred percent. And also seeing the other people around you in that space and trying to collaborate with them. Yeah, for sure, for you sure. Ugh, I love that. Okay. Well, since we're talking about growing a podcast and all of that, do you want to talk to us? You obviously mentioned that you don't use paid ads or you you. Uh, they scare you a bit, which understandable. Those things are intimidating as heck. Anyways, but you do you use any sort of sponsors or sponsorships, or do you want to talk a little bit about dipping your toe into the world of advertising on podcasts? Do you have any thoughts or insight for any listeners today on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been a long journey for me. Um, I was the because there wasn't a home and garden space, because there weren't, you know, a lot of other gardening podcasts, I kind of created packages out of nothing, (laughs) which was very interesting. But what I would say is for, I think sometimes people get into podcasts um, thinking that there's so much money in them and thinking that it's like going to be a quick, a quick road to monetization. And, you know, in my experience, it has not been. Um, we're we're absolutely monetized now, but it definitely took a long time and it took a process and I'm very thankful for it. So the way that I monetized the show was in the beginning, like I said, I was paying for the show out of my pocket. Our first step was Amazon affiliate um, 
store. I was making an Amazon affiliate storefront. I took Pat Flynn's affiliate marketing class, uh, which was so helpful. And um, then I started to, I got the idea to build out an affiliate program. And I actually started reaching out to products that I already had in my house that I already loved, um, smaller companies that maybe didn't even have affiliate programs. And I pitched them on allowing me to be their affiliate and came up with structures for that. Um, once I started selling their products and things started working well, then I was able to kind of prove that I would be a good partner and started transitioning people into formal sponsorship agreements. And we would make packages where, you know, you get this many podcast ads and an Instagram post. And we tried to make packages that allowed our sponsors to reach as much of our audience as possible across several different platforms, um, which was super fun. Um, And I will say like one of the biggest joys of this whole experience was not only like creating and helping my audience bloom and grow, but man, like finding these really cool plant-based companies that I really believed in, most that were family run, um, and like getting the word out about them and partnering and like seeing them make money and then making money through helping them make money. Like, man, that is the freaking (laughs) coolest experience. Um, it feels so great. And I think people look past affiliate marketing sometimes because they just think that they're going to get, you know, like a $50,000 sponsorship, but that road is a little slower than I think most people think. Um, so now we have amazing partners. We have amazing sponsors that have been with us for years. Um, because I think we've just had that kind of slow, intentional growth with them. Um, and I really do like view my sponsors like partners, um, in the business and, you know, If I have a a media feature, I try and pull them into it. And, you know, it's much more than just a transactional relationship. And I think with niche podcasts, that's really important Um, because you probably have a smaller audience than Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss or Jenna Kutcher, (laughs) but, you know, you have a powerful audience. And if it's the right product, you can sell a lot of product to, you know... I don't even like sell. I don't even like the word selling because it's really more matchmaking. You know, I try and find products that like I know that my audience needs because I need it. You know, I needed grow lights. So I looked around and tried to find the best grow lights and got the grow lights and tested them. And when I loved them, I was like, oh, everybody needs to know about these grow lights. They just saved my plant's life, you know? So like, let's talk grow lights, everyone, um, and have it be really authentic. And with that being said, um, I also think there's a lot of power in saying no. Um, As your podcast or your brand is going to grow, you're going to get offers that you don't feel aligned with. And I will just say that if you have a bad feeling about something, you're probably right. I I find that in the weird, icky feelings that I've gotten and partnerships that maybe I pursued for a little bit too long or um, my gut has usually tended to be right about people and companies that feel fishy. Um, And I think that there's a lot of power in saying no, um, not right now, not at this moment um, and just kind of stepping back and and seeing. I think you get that feeling when you know that you found a good partner. Um, So yeah, that's that's been kind of our journey to sponsorship and it's ever changing and ever growing. And it's been a super fun, super fun part of our business to grow um, for sure. I think that helps free up a lot of people who want to start a podcast because it's, I think there might be this perception out there that's like, oh, you just have to grow to a certain number and then all of the 
at agencies come to you. And while there might be some truth in that, I think when you have a smaller show, even at the beginning, like the fact that you created packages and thought that through and then reached out to people that that were an organic fit for you to share with your audience, like that's how you start affiliate advertising or, or just partnering with and collabing in general. And I think that's really helpful for people to hear and give them that permission yeah. to do it themselves and to really like find those people or those companies that feel like organic fits that your audience would like you sharing that on your show isn't even selling because it's something that they genuinely would want and need. Um, and so I think that's really, really great. Um, that leads me though to, I, you mentioned like grow lights in your explanation of that. And Mm -hmm. this leads me to my last question, which is, we've talked a lot about business today, which is great, but (laughs) Maria, you truly are a gem and an expert at plants. So we have to ask because it is your expertise. And frankly, we're just desperately plant killers over here. We have not uh, reached the the epicenter of plant health over here. Me and Abby. Just totally kidding. okay. That's and, totally okay. And you were like plant lights. And I'm sitting here scratching my head like, what the heck is a plant light? So what is your number one piece of advice to keep plants alive? I know that's like, your entire expertise in one question, but if you could help a, a throw a girl a bone. <laughs> well, girl, let me say, like, I've 100% been where you are. I think it was episode seven of my podcast where one of my guests, an amazing plant expert, mentioned that she had grow lights. And my que- like my response was literally like, wait, what? There's gr- <laughs> You have lights that help your plants grow? So, like, believe me, like, whatever... <laughs> Whatever questions, you know, you or your audience have, like, I've been there, no judgment. And you have to start from somewhere, right? And every plant death is an opportunity to learn something and grow. So that's fabulous. Just like in entrepreneurship, every failure is an opportunity Mm -hmm. to learn from your mistake and make your business better the next time around. Wow. Um, That's beautiful. (laughs) Oh, girl, I can talk about plant life, uh, business life parallels. I mean, I need to write a book on it. Now now that I'm growing my business, I'm like, oh my God, business is a garden. Like business business and plants are the same. And there's so many lessons to learn there. Maybe I'll come on for another episode, you know, in a year and we can talk about those parallels for people. That's amazing. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so basically, okay. So my answer is twofold. Um, one, it's really about understanding your light. So not all plants thrive under the same light conditions. Some are lower light tolerant. Some are higher, some need high light, like a succulent. A lot of people kill succulents because they bring them home and they put them on their like living room table, 10 feet from a window. And then that succulent withers and dies because succulents need like six to eight hours of direct light. Um, So I would say understanding your light environment and then picking the plants that fit your lighting environment is a huge way to set yourself up for success. And then the other thing, and this is like so important to me that I actually created a product around it was, um, so a big thing that I see is that people don't pick the right plants for their lifestyle. So if you are an entrepreneur who stays at home and you want to use plants as a way to in, you know, disconnect from your screen and and you want to water your plants every day like when you need a break from your from your, you know, entrepreneurship hustle and maybe you don't have kids and like you really want to use plants as a way to like nurture you need to choose a plant that isn't going to be afraid of a little overwatering, right? Like that plant might get a little too much water. That plant might get a little too much attention. A succulent would be like a terrible plant for someone like that. <laughs> um, but a fern would be an amazing 
choice or a prayer plant or an orchid or things that are a little bit more high maintenance. Then there are people who, you know, have a small kids at home, are a consultant and travels for work a lot, is out all the time, or maybe really just wants plants like because they're pretty and really doesn't care as much about the mindfulness stuff that I'm obsessed with, which is great, like no judgment. Um, They need like a succulent or a cactus or a ZZ plant or a snake plant, something that they can really go, you know, a couple of weeks without watering and it's not going to die on them. And so I'm all about picking the right plants for your lifestyle after understanding your lighting environment. Um, So I actually made the plant parent personality quiz that lives on my website. And you take this like three minute quiz and it pairs you with your personality. And I'll tell you your strengths and your weaknesses about your personality. And then I give you suggested plants. DIY planty projects and podcasts um, that are like perfectly tailored for you and your life to like let you live your life and not make you like bend over backwards for some plant that isn't the right fit for you. Um, So I think like it's all about like plant care is just all about choosing stuff that works for you and then enjoying it. Like caring for plants should be fun and killing plants isn't fun. It makes you feel bad and like brings a lot of shame, which I understand because (laughs) I killed them for the first 20 years of my life. But once you give yourself just like a little bit of knowledge, so like you got to understand how to water a plant correctly. And I've got a great episode on that. You've got to understand what your light is. And I have like six episodes on that because that's a real passion point of mine. Um, And then it's all about just like picking the plants that are right for your lifestyle and also ones that you gravitate towards, right? Like some people are going to love like the way a cactus looks and some people are going to love the way a monstera looks, like a tropical foliage plant. So it's all about kind of picking what works for you. Um, And I've got, you know, all the resources to help people do that because I truly, I truly want to help everyone in the world successfully care for one plant in their life because it's a really fun experience. Maria, I can just feel your passion coming through the mic <laughs> or my earphones. But also that was so, I'd got more out of that than any plant like app that I've ever downloaded in the past that I tried to like, uh, like look at to see what I think. Well, I've realized what my problem is. I don't know, Evie, what your problem is, but my problem <laughs> is I buy plants purely based on aesthetic, which is yep. great, except I'm not paying attention at all to light or yeah. my yeah. lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, wow, you just took me to church, Maria. That was great. <laughs> I think I want to just jump in and say, yes, that's also been my problem. But I think the other problem is that I've always felt overwhelmed by the amount of do's and don'ts with plants. So yeah. on like on like one, like my snake plant, it's very hardy. And I know that like, I'm not, I'm supposed to like, it's like, you're supposed to water it once a week, but then on this other plant, like you're only supposed to water it once a month, but like soak it for like a full day. But then on this other plant, like that's, I think what overwhelmed, and I do not know any of that on my actual plants. I just know that (laughs) like a friend will come over and be like, oh, your Monstera is kind of droopy. Are you watering it X, Y, Z? And I was like, well, the last friend that came over said that I needed to water it you know, ABC. And so then it just overwhelms me. And so then I don't do anything and then I kill them all. So that's what my struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think too, like, you know, and this kind of goes back to like paid versus unpaid, but you know, there's kind of a lot of fake news about plants on the internet now. Like everybody's a blogger and, you know, I feel like there's fake news about entrepreneurship. There's fake news about marketing. There's, you know, everybody's a blogger. Everybody writes their, you know, advice. And I think that there's amazing advice given on the internet. And then also, um, 
advice that if you don't really understand the root of it can can be hard to interpret and you know uh like i like i'm curious what soaking a plant for for 24 hours would would look like i'm like oh, wow i wonder what block that's on i've never never heard of that one before i probably just made um, it up too because everything's confusing and i'm just like what so no knows? that's totally it's totally real so for you it probably makes sense to kind of choose a very similar type of plant that requires similar watering yeah. um schedules so you know that you know once every 2 weeks or once every week like whenever would feel good for you to water um, in the general, you know, the general idea, um, you know, that you kind of do one blanket plant care day and then yeah. you don't have to really worry about it. I do say though, I think be mindful of care cards because sometimes you get a plant and you, um, it says water every two weeks. That really means like water when the plant dries out. It's so like a snake plant. We were talking yeah. offline about um, <laughs> one of you has a snake plant that I think is in it desperate was, need of it watering. It was definitely me. It's been a solid four <laughs> yes. to six months since I have watered that poor child and it is still no. alive. That is the thing. I have literally probably water. I've had it for, I don't know, two, two and a half years. I have probably watered it a total of four to five times. So I do not know how that plant is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, snake plants are amazing. I mean, a huge, um, a huge uh, percentage of my collection is snake plants. I'm totally obsessed with them. Yes, um, they're amazing. They're amazingly forgiving plants. Um, <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah. So like. Uh, a lot of times snake plants will say water every two weeks because usually in like a general house, like a, the soil will dry out in two weeks. But my house has different and has a different environment than, you know, Lindsay's house. So mm-hmm. hers, if we had the same snake plant in the same pot, like the same size, her snake plant is probably going to dry out at a different amount of days than mine. So yeah. those those care card guidelines are truly guidelines. And it's really more about understanding, okay, this snake plant is a Dracaena. It likes, um, you know, its soil to dry out. This is kind of the conditions that it lives outdoors. So this is how I'm going to water it. And if you don't want to do that, like you can just listen to my podcast episode on snake plants and call it a day and just, <laughs> you know, great. have the information given to you. Um, but yeah, like that's always what I encourage people to do is try and like um, look beyond the care card and try and like arm themselves with their own understanding uh, of of plants and where they thrive outdoors and then kind of applying that knowledge to indoors and and mm. taking the, taking their power back out of the care card, mm. you know? I love well, that. <laughs> that's been Plant Therapy with Maria. <laughs> Thank you for that segment. <laughs> and you girls can slide into my DMs whenever you want with your right. plant photos, and I'm happy to help you. Great. I, both of us are are adjusting pretty, moving and adjusting into new homes. So I plan to, you know, try my hand at a few new plants as well. So I'll just be like, Maria, SOS. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll be here one? for you. How do I keep it alive? <laughs> love it. <laughs> Uh, well, you are a gem and a joy, Maria. Thank you so much for dropping so much of your expertise, your knowledge, your plant to entrepreneurship uh, comparisons today. It was so fun to talk to you. For any listener who is equally as in love with you as Lindsay and I are now, where can everyone find you, learn from you, connect with you, connect in your community, all the above? <laughs> 
Yeah, I would love for people to hop on over to the Blooming Grow Radio podcast. That's my direct line to the community. Um, that's where we have, you know, over 120 episodes on every aspect of plant care you could ever need. Um, and definitely take that plant parent personality test. I'll shoot you guys the link so you can have it in the show notes. Yes, yeah. um, but that'll, I, I feel like sometimes 120 episodes on plant care can be really overwhelming for people. Yeah. So <laughs> taking that, taking that test, you'll get um, like the five top episodes that I think would make the most sense for you to start with your personality. Um, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Bloom and Grow Radio and recently just launched the Bloom and Grow Garden Party, which is our online community. We took our community off Facebook. It's behind a paywall now because we want to make it the plantiest and kindest place on the internet. So no trolls, no negativity. It's just support, um, no judgment. You know, people can bring whatever questions they have to the community and our community of like the kindest plant people around all get to like troubleshoot and bloom and grow together um, and connect also with local people in their local area because there's a location. um, Find your members near you opportunity. So I love that. Yeah. And we also, as part of the the garden party launch, we have the society, which is our premium level where I've partnered with the horticulturalist. And if you want to really deepen your plant care knowledge, uh, we're giving weekly, uh, sorry, monthly lectures and AMAs, like doing deep dives on plant science. So if you're a plant nerd, that's for you. But if you're just like dipping your toes into plants um, and you maybe want some support from like an amazing group of people, you can check out the garden party and maybe I'll see you there. Awesome. I love it. Maria, thank you so much for being on our show. We are honored and we will just hop on over to the Blooming Girl Radio to have all of our... (laughs) To keep our plants alive. (laughs) Yeah, to keep our plants alive. Yes. Can't wait. So excited to see what you guys do with your new homes. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, girl. 